a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. It is great to be with you today. Appreciate all of you that are chiming in on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. And a reminder, you can always do that at 57500. Always want to hear what's on your mind today. Also, make sure that you have downloaded the KSL News Radio app so you can take us with you everywhere you go, or you can sneak back and uh, catch a podcast if you missed uh, one of the segments of the show that's uh, powered by our friends at Any Hour Services. And a really interesting text line has uh, really been uh, hot today. And we were talking about sports and the many lessons uh, and just how we're all starving for it. Uh, we did have one texture remind us that the uh, professional bull riders uh, have not stopped at all uh, during this period. Uh, so they are a sport. Uh, they've been doing it, of course, without uh, any audience or crowds there. Uh, also, another texture reminded us that uh, tonight you can watch NASCAR. So a little car racing going on again. Nobody in the stands or stadium. Everyone's taking precautions in pit row. Uh, so that's a good thing. So as I said, we'll watch anything that's competitive at my house. Uh, we've even uh, watched all the way to the end last night of The Voice <laughs> uh, just to see who was the winner because everything's a competition. So we're we're always checking those things out. And uh, again, appreciate everybody chiming in today. Uh, I just want to remind everyone, just back where we started the day today, uh, it's about separating the rage from the reason. And we, we cannot just buy in. Uh, to anger, fear, frustration. And and when you're reading something about that or you're watching something online or on the news or on TV, on a cable station, just, just step back and just ask, is this person planting thistles? Uh, because if they are, they're not interested in harvesting any fruit later on. And there are a lot of people who really profit by anger, fear, and frustration. And so before you react and buy in or chime in with your little zinger of a tweet or a text or you send off that scathing email, just step back and, and just ask yourself, where's this taking us? Is this moving us towards the rage? Is this moving us towards reason? Is this moving us forward? Is this keeping us backwards? Is this allowing us to have an elevated conversation? We can have disagreement. Remember, this is not about group hugs and kumbaya moments. Not at all. We just got to learn to disagree better. We can disagree a lot. We can have that. This country is always at its best when we are a country of big ideas and open, even roiling debates about the issues of the day. That's a good thing in this country. It's how we do it that matters. It's how we do it. And so, again, I don't care where you fall on the political spectrum. Just ask yourself, are you are you adding to the rage? Are you adding to anger, fear, and frustration? Or are you sharing a principle, an insight, a bit of policy? That's great. Uh, those are awesome debates. 
Uh, and I learn a lot from those that I disagree with. In fact, I usually learn more <laughs> from those that I disagree with or who are coming at it from just a slightly different angle. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we progress as a society, as individuals, as communities. And so we we have to get there. Uh, we've been uh, having a little challenge getting uh, connected with Sean Covey today. Uh, he was scheduled to join us uh, to talk about the 30th anniversary of the seven habits of highly effective people. We may have to reschedule him for tomorrow. But uh, just as a reminder, uh, as we talk about principles, this is really fascinating. Uh, seven habits uh, came out 30 years ago. Hard to believe. Uh, they have put out a, a new edition, uh, a 30th anniversary edition that really kind of ties into the issues of the day. What's happening here? Things have gotten more complex, more challenging in a lot of organizations and uh, a lot of areas in our lives. And so it's really interesting to see that these principles uh, still apply. They're they're universal. They're timeless. The application is unique to each individual and to each setting or each business. And uh, that's, to me, the important thing. Uh, there really is nothing new under the sun when it comes to these kinds of principles. Uh, and Stephen Covey was the first to admit that, to say, hey, I, these are not new things. I'm just synthesizing them. I'm putting them together uh, in a little different way. Uh, very good. Uh, pleased to be joined now by Sean Covey. Uh, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. Hey, we've just been uh, talking about this. Uh, it's hard for me to fathom that it's been 30 years uh, since the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People came out by your dad. Uh, yeah. And uh, what a great uh, tribute to be able to to reissue that. And you've had a, a really critical role in this in that you've been able to add some perspective in terms of how the application of this of these principles continues uh, with you, your family, and businesses around the world. Yes, it was a real honor to do so. This book, as you know, is you know, considered the best-selling business book of all time. It sold about 40 million copies, and so I was really hesitant to do anything to it, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't want my dad to haunt me from his grave. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I felt like, you know, the seven habits have, have, such a, have had such an impact on organizations and people from all over. So at the end of each chapter, I've just listed some insights and some stories and some in, you know, some research showing the impact of the seven habits on, you know, society at large. And so this is the 30th anniversary edition. It just came out, I think, just today or yesterday, and it's got these fresh new insights in it. Oh, that's that's great. And, and it is such an interesting thing. I, uh, I remember growing up, uh, so my dad went to a retreat at a cabin up above Oakley with some uh, executive with my grandfather and some executives from Cummins Intermountain Diesel. Uh, this would have been late 60s, early 70s, so long before uh, your dad ever wrote the book. But he spoke, and uh-huh. and my dad referenced his notes from that conversation and those principles, which of course were those that ultimately became the Seven Habits uh, that yeah. your dad issued. Uh, but it's been interesting to see that uh, move along the generations. Yes, it, it it is interesting, and I think that I've I've heard that story so many times. People that attended a Seven Habits seminar or some other teaching by my father, and what an impact it made for their entire life. Uh, he was a he was a great teacher, and but he always said, you know, it's not about me; it's about these principles, mm-hmm. and I want these to live long after I go. Right, and so that's why he started an organization, Franklin Covey, and. And these seven habits are, are powerful, you know, things like thinking win-win, the idea that 
if you want to succeed with other people, you need to think mutual benefit that, you know, I want to win and I want you to as well. Yeah. Or sharpen the saw, you know, during a time like this, you know, Corona days, I think taking care of yourself and sharpening your saw, body, heart, mind, and soul on a regular basis is, is so important. So, yeah, he wrote that book 30 years ago, and I, I since then have written, uh, you know, taken his powerful ideas and written a book for teenagers called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. You know, at the time I didn't have teens. Now I take back everything I said. <laughs> it's amazing how that changes so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I wrote one for little kids called The Seven Habits of Happy Kids, which is an illustrated picture book. But the idea is, you know, these natural laws or principles like responsibility and renewal and hard work and integrity and service, they they always pay off. If you'll follow them and live by them, you'll always succeed in the end. Not maybe in the short term, but always in the long term. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Great insight. If you're just joining us, we have Sean Covey on the line. Uh, special 30th an- uh, anniversary edition of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People out today. And, uh, Sean, just real quickly, uh, as we come down the home stretch here, uh, sure. two, two quick questions for you. One, uh, been dying to think, what is what would your dad say uh, in looking at this coronavirus world that we're in right now and, and kind of the state of things, our dialogue in, in the country? Yeah, I mean, knowing my, my father, he would he'd always say, well, let's look at what we can learn from this and what the silver linings are, because good can come from this. And, um, you know, this has been horrific on many fronts, as we know. It's unprecedented. Uh, economy is getting slammed. A lot of people have lost their jobs. There's a lot of bad things from this. But, you know, there are there are some good things that can come from this. And one of the I had a meeting the other day with my team, and we just spoke about what are the key outcomes of this. And many just said, I've never spent more time with my family. I've had a lot of personal time. This has been I've been able to reinvent myself, and I, I hope when things come back to normal, I'll remember this, and I can have the same commitment to my family and to some of these other things I'm doing that I have right now. You know, so good can come from this. I, I recently saw an article about Isaac Newton, and in 1665, you know, he's the guy that invented calculus and optics and a lot of things. And 1665, he was going to Trinity College in Cambridge when the Great Plague of London hit. Right. He was sent home for a year in quarantine. And he said, I had a lot of time on my hands. And it was during that year that he developed the early theories of calculus and optics. Um, he called it his year of wonders. Mm. <laughs> and he spoke about how, you know, that was, he needed that space and time to think up those ideas. And as we know, calculus and optics have changed science and changed the world. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not asking, I'm not suggesting that all of us can create a new theory of calculus. <laughs> but there are so many good things that can come from this if we have eyes to see and if we pursue it and take initiative. And so I think that's what he would say is, yeah. you know what, great opportunities arise from challenges and and try to come out stronger. Wonderful. Fantastic. Sean Covey, uh, appreciate your work. Uh, your dad obviously has a, a legacy, but I know that uh, – you have uh, traveled the world and helped a lot of individuals, a lot of organizations by applying these same time-tested principles uh, that help us all be just a little more effective, a little more productive, and contribute just a little more to society. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
Uh, you're so welcome. Appreciate it. All right. Again, that's Sean Covey. And uh, 30th anniversary. Hard to believe it's been 30 years since The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People came out. Uh, if you're looking for something to review uh, as you're having a little extra time at home, uh, I would definitely suggest you go back. Uh, a lot of great lessons there, to be sure. All right. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some lessons from space in terms of how we move the economy force forward. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.